Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. Good morning, everyone. It's really good to be here and it's good to be in church, isn't it? Uh, I feel a great privilege today to be able to tell you some stories about what God is doing in Indonesia. Um, so let me introduce myself again. My name's David Saxby. My wife is Lillian. My two boys are Joshua, aged six, and Zach has just turned five. Um, I've been at North Taramara Church of Christ, which is now Northside, since I was about this tall. A uh, long, long, long time. And not too long ago, I was here at Northside as well. I went to Northside Crow's Nest in the evenings for five or six years and did connect groups and um, was a real part of this church as well. So I don't feel like a guest, even though I'm a guest speaker. I feel very much at home being here. Lillian and I and our boys are recently back from Ambon in Indonesia. Uh, we had a short trip for the month of September where we had the great privilege of being part of the official launch of the Ambonese translation of the New Testament. I'm going to, give you, I'm going to take you on a trip to Ambon and I'll give you a snapshot of what that event was like and its significance. And I'm going to share a little bit of my story about how it was that I ended up in Bible translation ministry. And I'd like to tell you a little bit about what's coming up for us as well. Before I get started, will you pray with me? Loving Heavenly Father, you are our amazing God. It's great to be here today to worship you, to hear from your word, and to celebrate communion together. Lord, please give me words that speak a clear message from you to each and every person here today. In Jesus' name, amen. So Ambon is not the most famous city in the world, so let's start with a map. I'll show you where it is. Ambon is about a thousand kilometers north of Darwin. It's not that far from Australia, but we still had to get four flights and stop overnight twice to get there. It's sort of at the ends of the earth. Um, it, in the colonial era, it used to be the capital of the Spice Islands. And that was when this little part of the world produced the world's entire um, produce of nutmeg and cloves and made a very tidy profit for the Portuguese and then the Dutch. Next up, let me show you Ambon City and Ambon Bay. Ambon City is situated on a beautiful, beautiful bay. Um, the bridge here was finished just six years ago. Um, the bay and the surrounds of Ambon are very famous with scuba divers. I don't know if there's any scuba divers here today. It's one of the go-to locations if you can travel to scuba dive. The city has a population of about 350,000 people, which is very small in, by Southeast Asian standards. And the island of Ambon has about half a million people. Next up, let me show you our home. It's not the big mansion at the back, it's the, the single-story house at the front, complete with a mango tree in the front yard, just to be, you know, nice and tropical. And next, these are the looks on our faces when we finally arrived home after two and a half years away, thanks to coronavirus. Uh, for us, it was a little bit like walking into a time capsule. When we left, uh, my youngest was two and a half, so we found we still had a cot for him, and baby clothes, and piles of nappies, and baby toys. 
He's now five, and he thought that was hilarious. So we had a lot of clearing out to do after two and a half years away. We made this short trip just for four weeks in September so that we could be at the official launch of the Umbanese translation of the New Testament. This is the culmination of 20 years of Bible translation work. And my wife Lillian, she's been involved for 12 years, and I've been involved for about six years. The church in Ambon normally uses the national language, Indonesian, for their church services, for their Bible, and for their home meetings. But in and around Ambon, there are about 70 different local languages, and almost no one speaks Indonesian as their first language. So, hearing God's word, developing a relationship with God, growing in faith, these are things in Ambon that are done in a second language, or a third language, or maybe a fourth language. Imagine trying to understand the Bible and grow in faith if all our church service, communion, teaching, our songs were in a language that you knew but not very well. It might be a bit like trying to do church services in Shakespearean English. There's a challenge for Sam next week. <laughs> we can kind of understand Shakespearean English, but it's really hard work. And there's still loads of things that just don't make sense. If you did manage to keep concentrating, all your focus would be on the hard work of deciphering and interpreting and understanding the difficult, strange, unusual language that the message probably wouldn't even get through. That's what it can be like for our Christian brothers and sisters who, week in, week out, practice their faith in a language that is hard for them to understand. The result is that God feels distant God is not personal. God is not loving. God feels foreign. God is not a companion in daily life. Christian teachings such as salvation and the work of the Holy Spirit might be just too complicated to understand. We see in Umbon that many Christians behave as Christians out of fear of retribution from an angry God. Many live in fear of the spirits of their ancestors. And many mix up their Christian practices with superstition and with animist beliefs. Christianity is an identity that is acquired at birth rather than a decision based on repentance and God's grace. So the 4th of September, when the people of Ambon received the translation of the New Testament in their own language for the first time was a truly special day in the life of the Umbanese church. We hope and pray that this is a breakthrough moment that will release the power of God's word in Umbon. I'd like to give you a sense for what this event was like, the official launch of the New Testament. But before I do, try not to think of this as a faraway event. This is one of the ways that Northside Church is at work. Northside has been our faithful partner in ministry for the whole time that I've been involved. And for that, we are so thankful. We can't do that. We can't do what we do without support. So, as strange as it may seem, everyone at Northside is a very real part of this event that I'm going to show you. Even if you know nothing about Bible translation, you are involved in Bible translation ministry. That's 
the wonderful way that God's church works. Once again, let me say a big thank you to Northside for the support over many, many years and the wonderful individuals who've jumped on our team to make it possible for us to live and serve in Ambon. Now, let's travel to Ambon. I'm going to show you a few pictures of this event to uh, give you an idea of what it was like. The launch was held at the central church in Ambon. This is the Maranatha Church. And it was live streamed to five other churches in the city at the same time. The invited guests were church leaders from the whole region. And the special guest on the day was the mayor of the city of Ambon. So it was a pretty big deal. Before the event, we had local Indonesian music to get the things rolling. And the air was alive with the rhythms of this percussion orchestra. This was the first of many uniquely Ambonese things about the event. The Ambonese New Testament for the Ambonese people was celebrated with Ambonese music and dance and clothing and language and songs. Now the next picture, have a look at the young boy on the left. He's playing a seashell instrument, which is like a trumpet. And he was the one who announced the start of the official ceremony with a trumpet blast from the seashell. This beautiful sound is a traditional Ambonese way of announcing the start of a culturally significant event. Then, the band of bamboo flutes, ukuleles, guitars and percussion struck up a joyful song and marched in procession down the middle of the street to the church. The members of the translation team joined this procession down the middle of the street and each of us was holding a copy of the New Testament. Um, you can see the procession in the next photo. So we walked down the centre of the church holding a Bible and presented that at the front of the church. And it was this symbolic act for me that felt like, wow, this is something really significant that is happening. The church service was led by a local pastor who's been a long-time long advocate and friend of Bible translation in the region. She led the congregation in a declaration of God's goodness and a collective confession of sin. Then came the most formal part. The director of Bible translation projects read from Psalm 119, affirming that God's word is a light for our path and a lamp for our feet. He handed over a copy of the New Testament to the chairman of the denomination that has sponsored the Bible translation work in Ambon. And the chairman made this official pronouncement in Ambonese. Today, I decree that the New Testament in Ambonese Malay can be used in all congregations in the Protestant church in Maluku and by all people serving the mission of the church in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Such a solemn-sounding declaration. Sounds a bit strange for churches in Australia, but it's entirely appropriate in the context of the church in Ambon. And it was necessary so that this translation is officially authorised for use in the 34 dioceses and 761 parishes of this church denomination. The chairman then concluded with words from 1 Peter. All people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. The service continued with Ambonese songs, 
and Umbanese dance celebrating God's provision. The Apostles' Creed was recited by the congregation in Umbanese, and the Bible reading was, of course, from the Umbanese New Testament. We read from 2 Timothy 3, where Paul is mentoring Timothy after sending him to minister to the church in Ephesus. Let's read. But as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you have learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The preacher used this passage to celebrate the launch of the New Testament in Ambonese. God's word makes us wise for salvation. God's word is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training. God's word equips his followers for good work. So it is worth celebrating when God's word becomes more accessible for the people of Ambon. With the New Testament published and the official launch done, it's tempting to think that that's the end of the story. Job done. It is a very significant milestone, the publication of a New Testament in a language that hasn't had it before, but it's not the end of the story. It merely marks the beginning of a new stage of Bible translation ministry. I will tell you a bit about that, but before I do, I'd like to take you back in time to tell you the story of how it was that I was there in Ambon as part of the official launch of a new translation of the New Testament. The story for me started back in 1993, long time ago. I was at high school and I decided to study Indonesian. Even though my marks were better in French and German and Japanese, I chose Indonesian. And there, at 13 years of age, God was at work without me even knowing. I first heard about Ambon in about 1997, my final year of high school. I was studying Indonesian society and culture. Ambon, with a population of about half-half, Christian and Muslim, was held up as the poster child of religious tolerance and harmony in Indonesia. It was a beautiful picture of Christians living alongside Muslims, working together, going to school together. It was lovely. But that... Um, image of harmony was completely blown apart in 1999 when horrendous violence ripped through the region and a civil war broke out that was mostly about Christian militias against Muslims and Muslim militias against Christians. About 5,000 people were killed. 700,000 people were made refugees. That's about one in three people in the region. Thousands of houses Shops, churches, mosques, cars, motorbikes were burnt. A year later, I was studying on exchange in a different part of Indonesia. And someone I met there handed me a pamphlet, a pamphlet that was recruiting devout Indonesian Muslims to go on a jihad to fight against Christians in Ambon. That was confronting, to say the least. But in the middle of all this, with a backdrop of hatred and violence, God opened up an opportunity for a translation project 
to start in Ambonese. A courageous translator named Helen took this opportunity. And so the first steps towards New Testament translation in Ambonese were taken. At that time, I was still a few years away from any interest in Bible translation. I finished university. I kind of forgot about my interest in Indonesia for a few years. And using my science degree, I got a pretty good job working in a chemistry laboratory. A turning point came in April 2010. You might remember in 2010, there was a huge volcanic eruption in Iceland that put an enormous cloud of ash all over Western Europe. Every airport was closed. Every flight was cancelled for a week or more. I happened to be in London at that time. I was travelling for work to an intergovernmental conference for analytical chemists. Absolutely riveting stuff, let me assure you. So thanks to this volcanic eruption, I was in London, stuck, not much to do for several days. One day, the weather was good, I grabbed a bike and I rode to Richmond Park, found a nice spot in the sun and sat down to read a book. It wasn't a book about Bible translation. But in this book, there was one paragraph that mentioned the work of Bible translators. Now, I'd heard about Bible translation many times before, but on that day, it rang a bell for me. Without even pausing, I thought, I could do that. And I really didn't even know what it would be like to do Bible translation. Somewhere, excuse me, um, this was clearly not a logical career progression for an analytical chemist. So in just one paragraph of this book, God had showed me something that really grabbed my attention and my interest. For several years, I had been searching for something to do that was more meaningful than my regular nine to five. I'd studied languages and linguistics at university, mostly because it was fun, never because I thought I'd ever do anything with it. By the end of my degree, I'd taken as many linguistic subjects as I could, including subjects about translation. I had foreign language and cross-cultural experience from living in Indonesia. And I was convinced then, just as I am now, of how important it is for people to know the Bible if they want to know God and know themselves and know the truth about the meaning of life. All these different things seemed to find an amazingly logical meeting point in Bible translation. I could do that. I could probably be pretty good at it. At that stage, I really had no idea about the worldwide need for Bible translation. Very quickly, I discovered that there are 125 million people representing 1,500 languages that do not have a verse of Scripture in their own language. And add to that 450 million people who have only some of the Bible translated in their language, not yet a full New Testament. So Bible translation was not just a good fit to me, it ticked the box of doing something significant. It was a genuine need for God's church. This was a pretty unsettling time for me. Up until that point, I had followed the script very, very well. North Shore Sydney upbringing, good schools, good marks, double degree with honours from Sydney University. I got a nerdy job operating a million dollars worth of scientific equipment 
um, public service salary, job security. It's all good. Um, they even sent me around the world. So, travelling for work to London, Vienna, Bangkok, Beijing, Paris. Can you believe they sent me to Paris five times? And now, my conscience was nagging me to throw it all in and pursue Bible translation, working overseas. Crazy, crazy. I was going nuts, I'm sure. But the idea of Bible translation stuck with me, and the more I looked into it, the more I was convinced that that was the future that God had prepared for me. The decision in front of me was an easy one, but it was not one that I could make quickly. I was heavily invested in my own little script for life. My choice was either to continue to live for myself, giving most of my time and energy to work that I was more and more convinced was meaningless in the scale of real worth. Or I could take the plunge, I could throw out my script for life and start to take seriously my favourite verse of the Bible. Seek first the kingdom of God. I hope in my story there's some food for thought for you as well. There are so many things in our society vying for your attention, trying to get on your agenda, trying to influence the way you live your life. Do a quick check and see which script you are following. Are you working hard just to meet the expectations that our society throws at us? Or are you single-mindedly seeking the kingdom of God and what he says is right for your life? If God can find a place in Bible translation for an analytical chemist, what could he find for you with the abilities and the experience that he's given you? My decision to go all in for God's script for my life took me on a trip to the Umbanese Translation Project in 2011. That's where I met my wife. Uh, I joined the team temporarily in 2013 and then joined permanently in 2017. Next year, my family and I will return again to be involved in the next stage of Bible translation in Ambon. While the official translation project and funding for the New Testament has finished, the church denomination that we work with is very enthusiastic about translation of the Old Testament. So, next year I'll be involved with translation of Genesis and a selection of Psalms. As well as that, there will be opportunities to be involved in the work of promoting the New Testament and distributing it, making sure that people have it in their hands, and not just in their hands, but reading it. We have the opportunity to be involved in workshops that introduce to people the New Testament, how it was translated, and how it can be used in the ministry of the church. My wife Lillian will mostly be involved in homeschooling our two little boys, but she is also very interested in using her talents in visual arts as a way to communicate the gospel in Ambon through social media and through um, presenting the word of God in a creative and engaging way. As this new translation and God's word goes out, we are hoping and praying for an Isaiah 55 moment. God says in Isaiah 55 verse 10, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it, blood and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so, my word goes out, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. 
God says, My word will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent. We are praying for fresh encounters with the God of the Bible, fresh understanding that God is love, God is near, God is not vengeful, fresh understanding that God is so much bigger than the spirits and fear and superstition that hold people captive and prevent them from experiencing the joy of knowing God and the assurance of salvation that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. For that, much prayer is needed. The work that is continuing in Ambon is very exciting. It is fruitful ministry. We can see it. And I want to invite you to be part of what God is doing in Ambon through the ministry of Bible translation. We need people who regularly pray for us and pray for the Bible translation work and pray for the people of Ambon. We need people to encourage us and keep, us, keep in contact with us when we're over there. We need people who can be financial partners to enable us to live and serve in Ambon. If any of this story has stirred your heart or grabbed your interest, then I'd love to speak to you afterwards and to tell you how you can be part of this great ministry. We can only do what we do as part of a team, and everyone in the team shares the joy and the celebration of the ministry of making the Bible come alive for the people of Ambon. We are sometimes asked if we think it really is worth it to live in Ambon, in a strange place, to work in Bible translation. We um, got a good reminder on our recent trip that we didn't move to Ambon for a more comfortable life. But here's what we think about when we consider if it's really worth it. We have seen the emotion of Christians praying in their own language for the first time. We've seen the excitement of people realizing that God is not far off and speaks their own language. We've seen people that were once reluctant to read the Bible say, well, this is not actually that hard now that I've got it in my own language. And we have seen lifelong Christians in tears telling us, now I understand why Jesus died. All this is from the power of God's word. We know that God's word endures forever. It is the light for everyone's path. It teaches salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. We know it teaches godly living and equips us to do good works because of the power of God's word to bring freedom and changed lives. It is worth it. We know too the benefit of having the Bible and Bible teaching in our own language. Centuries ago, people lost their lives trying to make it possible for the Bible to be translated to English. They knew it would be worth it for the power of God's word to change lives. And we have the benefit of that today. God's word is worth it. And then the man who made the biggest sacrifice is our saviour, Jesus Christ. He gave up his position of glory and authority in heaven to come to earth. He lived and died so that people could be reconciled to God and find freedom and receive eternal life. Jesus went to extraordinary lengths to save us. So it is definitely worth it to help others connect to that truth. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.